Hello, and welcome to the So You Want to Be a Marine Biologist podcast, where we learn about the ocean, share sea stories, and explore ocean careers. I'm your host, Kara Musia. Let's dive into today's episode. This episode is brought to you by you. Thank you to those of you who have become patrons of the So You Want to Be a Marine Biologist podcast. For less than the cost of a dive tank refill or a cup of coffee, you can help keep the podcast episodes coming. There's also some fun bonuses for patrons, so be sure to check those out at patreon.com backslash marine bio life. That's patreon.com backslash marine bio life. Hello, mermaids, pirates, ocean lovers, and land lovers. Welcome to today's show. Did you hear about the lazy oyster? It wouldn't move a muscle. What do you call an oyster party? A celebration. My guest today is Gardner Douglas, the oyster ninja. With his own mobile Robar business and podcast, Gardner has garnered some amazing experiences around oysters, including shucking for the President of the United States. What I love about today's episode, besides Gardner's perfect radio voice, was his passion for his work with oysters. It really shows during our conversation today, which encompasses everything from what oyster shucking is, to farms and restaurants, to oyster recycling and entrepreneurship. Gardner offers some really excellent insight and it's a really fun conversation. Please enjoy. Gardner, the oyster ninja, welcome to the So You Want to Be a Marine Biologist podcast. I am excited to chat with you today. I'm excited to be here. I get to talk to other people who actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I love it. So how did you get this title, Oyster Ninja? I love it. So the Oyster Ninja came in uh, when I started my podcast, actually. Uh, okay. So, like, I didn't want to call it SS Shucking, which is my mobile raw bar. Uh, right. I was like, well, that's not, that doesn't sound appealing. <laughs> and so I was just shooting, you know, ideas back and forth with my uh, mentor at the time. He's still like a mentor, Ken Blanchard. He has a bunch of podcasts. Um, but we were just going back and forth. And um, he's like, dude, Oyster Ninja. So after that, we just started going, you know, back and forth with, you know, uh, like a logo. And here we are, Oyster Ninja. <laughs> I love it. It's such a fun, creative name, and it definitely sticks in your head. So... Before you became Oyster Ninja and started your own podcast, how did you even get into oysters? Um, so my dad actually is a, a professional oyster shucker also. Um, he competed, you know, tons and tons over the years. Uh, but he didn't. So, well, all right. So the difficult story is I didn't actually meet my dad until like my early 20s. But I'm talking about like literally soon as we got together, it was like we had been together, you know, all those years. It was like it's crazy how genetics and genes actually works because we were we are the same person. <laughs> um, so, he, you know, he has that hustle and grind in him. I have it in me. Uh, obviously get it from his side. Yeah. So he taught me how to shuck oysters um, and it was just a way to make, you know, extra money. Yeah. And uh, I just kind of got the bug for it honestly like go i got the bug of connecting with people while i'm shucking so we would do like these oyster and bull roasts where uh firehouses would hire us to come shuck oysters and they would do like the you know the other foods and sides and i was like man i get to shuck oysters and at that time you know i was just drinking and having a good time <laughs> get to drink and laugh with people and it's a party around us. I was like, man, I'm hooked. And the money was pretty good at the time too. So I'm, I was hooked. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, oysters, I feel like have their own culture behind them for sure. So your dad introduced you into the world of oysters. Was there like a special, I mean, there's like, there's different ways to shuck an oyster. Did your dad teach you like different techniques or was he just like, F anything else you learn, like this is the best way to do it. <laughs> no, he, um, he, sh so I would say he showed me a couple ways. Okay. Um, but over the years I kind of, and it really comes down to like shucking different oysters. Mm. Um, so like he taught me on wild oysters that were coming up from like Louisiana mm. and, um, 
matter of fact, a, a specific uh, memory is like he taught me how to shuck. So like just hen chuck in front of back. And that was our go-to. Well, that was my go-to because that's all I knew. But once I started really hustling oysters, um, like I would like shuck oysters and then put them in containers and then go out and sell them. Probably something I wasn't supposed to be doing at the time, but I didn't know. So <laughs> charge it to the game. Um, but anyway, the, and again, I'm from the Eastern shore of Virginia. So like the popular oyster and even worldwide is a sugar tig oyster because it's nice and salty and briny. Mm-hmm. So I bought these sugar tig oysters and I was like, Hey, you know, I got these sugar tig oysters. I'm going to shuck them. He's like, no, you're not bring them to me. <laughs> you know, just, just because it's a different type of beast. Like, okay. and these were like wild sugar tig oysters. So they're really long. These are not the oysters you see in the, in the raw bar. These oysters are like long and skinny and gnarly and sharp as I don't know what. Mm-hmm. And um, if I tried to hen shuck the way he taught me, it wouldn't have been nice. <laughs> it wouldn't have been nice. Um, so basically with that type of oyster, what you want to do that I know now is you want to shuck it from the bill or the mouth of the oyster. And that okay. helps um, get you a nice whole piece of meat when you shuck it. Okay, so there's a couple things I want to break down. You're saying Chincoteague oysters, like Chincoteague Island? Chincoteague. Chincoteague Island, yep. Okay, and then the oyster, oysters are sharp. If listeners have never encountered an oyster, they are very sharp little dudes. You would never suspect a shell could be so sharp. Um, and so when you're when you're handling them, most shuckers wear, I mean, I think all shuckers wear gloves to avoid being, to being shucked themselves, basically. And Shucking is just the act of getting the shell yep. off of the oyster and getting to the meat part and pulling, I mean, re- detaching the meat from the shell itself. Is there any more art to that, the term shucking? Well, um, no, I would say that's definitely shucking. Um, a lot of times I, I say there's a difference between shucking and opening an oyster. Um, okay. Because anybody can open an oyster, but the art of shucking, um, which, I mean, it's, 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 it is what it sounds like. It's an art. Like, you want to make sure that the meat is clean. You want to make sure that the, the meat is whole. So you don't want to cut the meat or, um, you know, just leave it raggedy looking, looking at making it look like that it's already been chewed up, you know. And I'm sure everybody's seen those pictures of oysters um, that just look all mangled and you know just like any other food dish you know you eat with your eyes so Mm -hmm. it's my job to make those look so delicious you can't say no and if you say no then I got to do some other work to help you join the oyster club (laughs) so with these shinkatega oysters you are usually you open from the back so where the oysters actually hinge there's a mm-hmm. muscle and you usually break that and open the oyster that way. But with these shinkatig, they're so long that you actually started at the other end at the opening end. Is that what you were saying? Exactly. So you want to, it's called bill shucking. So if you go from the back, it's called hen shucking. If you go, if you shuck from the front, it's called bill shucking or stabbing. And um, <laughs> see, see, that's graphic. <laughs> Why you call it bill shucking? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not like, you know, the gangs in New York or anything. Um, so, yeah, so you want to uh, stab it. Um, and it's a different type of knife you're going to use. So, like, with a hinge shot, you want to use a nice, strong knife um, because the hinges are strong. You want to, you you hope anyway, but we'll get to that later. That's just a difference in farm and wall. But um, with bill shucking, you want a, a thin narrow knife um, with a nice little point on it because it's going to go through the mouth, which is um, not as strong and also thin. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Different tools of trade. I never noticed different types of oyster knives. Now I'm and a, <laughs> a regular oyster opener, you know, they, they use the same knife for everything. And then they complain about how hard oyster shucking is. But it would be the same for me if I use the wrong tool. If I use a screwdriver to, you know, bang in a nail, it's going to be hard, right? Right. You got to use the right tool. So when you go, when you like have a set of oysters in front of you or a bushel Mm -hmm. of oysters in front of you, do you have like several knives that you can like pick up and work from? Or do you know like, well, if I get oysters from 
a certain place. They're going to be like this. So I just need this one knife. So over the years, I've kind of, I can't say I've designed, but um, my dad taught me basically how to edit my oyster knife. So I use, I I, I start with a a strong oyster knife base, right? Like my Dexter um, with the ball handle. Dexter is an oyster knife brand, well, a knife brand, period. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like Dexter's. It's a couple of other ones that I like, like the Toadfish. Um, but with the Dexter, it's easy to um, change the blade, not change the blade, but like file the blade down. So I can basically make the blade what I want, want it to be with the file. Uh, mm. And that's basically just, you know, grinding on it or I don't know the right term, but, you know, filing yeah, you file it. it down. You're filing yeah. the blade um, and kind of, yeah, and you kind of make it what you want it to be. So. Um, I, I filed a, the tip of it down. Um, I round it out. And what comes out is this strong oyster knife, but it also can go through the bill of the oyster. And now I'm giving all my tips away. So I don't want to see my knife floating out there that I didn't make myself. <laughs> yeah. But That's it works. So I, really, you only need one or two knives. Knives. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So. Yeah. Growing up on the eastern shore of Virginia, I mean, it's it's very watery. Is that did that pique your interest in oysters at all, or was it just strictly this, like introduction with your dad in the oyster world? Strictly with my my dad, honestly. Um, so and I, cause like, so this is the importance, and I know we're getting off topic, but this the this is the importance of having, um, and I'm not gonna limit because there are some females who like the wildlife game. But for for a young black boy, I can say I missed out by not having a father in the picture on some aspects. Now, my uncles did fall in that line um, and help me out with other things, you know, the birds and the bees and handling money and that type of thing. But they never really took me out to, like, go fishing mm. or... You know, just that one-on-one time, you know, it was always like in a group setting if I did something with my uncles or it was always like a hustle, like where they would take us to go make some money um, because we didn't grow up rich or anything, you know, so Mm -hmm. the extra money helped. But again, when I met my dad, so now he's going fishing, he's taking me, he has a daggone boat, you know, so (laughs) we're going on a boat and go fishing and he's teaching me how to shuck oysters. He's teaching me about... um, just things in life that are going to help me in the long run and a guideline that's just going to set me apart, you know, from other people. Yeah. My grandmother did a good job. Don't get me wrong with far as like raise me, but it's just something that a father puts a little oomph in, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. They definitely fulfill yeah. a unique role in and of themselves. Exactly. So to answer your question, um, I didn't do a lot of stuff on the water growing up. Okay. Uh, it wasn't until I met my dad where I started going fishing on the water and just found that water love. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Like I was so intoxicated. I just wanted to go fishing every day. And you know, if I caught something great, if I didn't catch anything, who cares? Like I'm on the water, you know, it was that type of vibe. And, um, as far as shucking the oysters, like anytime he had an event, I wanted to be there with him. And that just really, it's, it's a drug. Oysters and wildlife is a drug. I like to overdose. Oh, that doesn't sound right. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to indulge. <laughs> I like to indulge. I don't know if there's such thing as overdosing on nature and, and oysters. It's like what we're from, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm the mud. That's really cool. So how did yeah. you reconnect with your dad? I'm super curious. It's, it's just a weird story. Uh, I'll I'll keep it. Um, basically, he had an idea that he might be my dad, um, but it wasn't easy for him to come in the picture um, during the early years. So once I became, uh, you know, like I said, in my early 20s, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go down here and see if I see him and introduce myself and we'll go from there. So, of course, who doesn't want a dad in his life? So he pulled up on me. Um, at the time I was working like crazy. I've always worked a lot and worked like just, just work. I like, didn't really care. Um, but I was 
working at Tyson's Chicken Plant during the daytime. And during the nighttime, I was a shift manager at Pizza Hut. And that didn't last long because, man, Tyson's put something on you. Um, But I did the shift manager for a few years. Uh, But anyway, he pulled up on me. It was the beginning of my shift. Um, He was like, hey, uh, are you Gardner? I was like, yeah, I'm Gardner. Okay, my name is Sam. Um, Here's my number. Because I was like, I was kind of like brushing him off. You know, just a weird person pulling up on you like. Asking your name, how do you know my name, you know? Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to take your number. Uh, I can't talk right now, but I'll take your number and I'll call you later. So I called him later. He gave me the rundown, what's going down, what you know, what was going on. Um, he thought he was my dad. He wanted to get tested. I was like, well, I'm like, well, it's not going to do any harm. Yeah, fine. Let's, you know, let's, let's see. Let's see if you're my dad. <laughs> And it's crazy. Like now that I think back, I don't remember like reaching out to my mom because my mom wasn't okay. in the picture either. Uh, I don't remember like, hey, do you know this Sam, Sam, the shucking man? Do you know who this is? Like, I don't remember that. I might have said something to my grandmother, but I was real low key. Like, I don't really talk yeah. a lot. You know what I mean? No, I don't. But, cause we have a uh, podcast, but anyway. <laughs> no, seriously. And that's like the hidden gem. Like, I'm like truly, truly an introvert. Like, Unless it's, we're talking about oysters, eh, you might get a couple words out of me, <laughs> honestly. But uh, we went and got the test, and boom, bam, he is your father. Gardner, I am your father. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy, because like, even when, before we got the test results, you know, we went to, um, what's the place called? I forget the, uh, Bonanza, I think it was, or some okay. some place to eat. Golden Corral, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but he was like, you know what? From everything you're telling me, um, you're doing positive things in life. At that time, I think I had stopped going to school because, I don't know, money was mm-hmm. more important in school. Um, uh, I want to help you get back in school. I want to help you do this, 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 this. You know, if you're if you're my son, cool. If not, I'm still going to be there to help you. So I was like, dang, this yeah. is a good dude. Like, Wow. Um, and yeah, he was my dad and like, he bought me my first car, 79 Firebird, which I always wanted a, a old school car. Um, but yeah, just a positive influence Very in cool. my life. That is such a cool story. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's such a big moment. That's amazing. And then he introduced you to the world yeah. of oysters. So you mentioned you do... You do yes. wild and farmed oysters. Mm-hmm. Do you like you yeah. still do both? Do you prefer one over the other? So majority of so what a lot of people don't know is if you go to a raw bar, um, the majority of your oysters that you're going to be eating mm-hmm. are going to be farm raised, and you kind of can recognize this by you know a farm raised oyster is pretty much they're like cookie mm-hmm. cutter oysters. They're going to they're gonna look like the oyster right next to them. A wild oyster, because it's not, you know, being raised hands-on, uh, one may look this way, but the next will look totally different. So that's the, the biggest difference. The other big difference, no, I'm sorry. The other biggest difference is wild oysters uh, reproduce. Farm-raised oysters don't reproduce. So that's why now you can eat oysters all year round, first of all. Okay, let's get that R muffin <laughs> out of here. Um, and then the other, um, so farm-raised oysters just eat all year round and oys- wild oysters okay. reproduce. So you mentioned a little bit yeah. about the, the R month and the whole thing is you don't eat oysters except in months ending in R. Where did that come from? I don't know. I'm still looking for that uh, sir ma'am. I don't know why they start rumors <laughs> like that. I don't know why. They do things like that. That's not nice. But no, back in the old days, um, before we had refrigeration, um, you know, because oysters were reproducing during the summer months, they they weren't mm-hmm. really tasty, you know. So basically, an oyster gets good and fat um, for the winter months, and then when the water uh, water temperature starts to rise they start spawning or uh, releasing their eggs into the water. 
So it leaves a translucent body of an oyster, basically, that isn't really tasty, that isn't really meaty. It's just a casing of an oyster, basically. You can eat it, but it's not really tasty. Um, so again, th- they didn't have refrigeration to do a lot of shipping of oysters. So oysters were, you know, dying fast and, you know, how far is right. ice going to go? Um, but you know, at the refrigeration, boom, you can ship oysters right. around the world. And now we have farmed oysters. And now we have farmed oysters. So I work for Oyster Recovery Partnership in Annapolis for a couple of mm-hmm. years. And I, that was like my deep dive into oyster world and I love them still. And I like to encourage people to eat farmed oysters from an ecosystem perspective, because these are oysters that are being added to the water column. They provide an ecological service and then they're being replaced once they're removed. And do you notice like a taste difference between them from the culinary aspect? So there's no really... Um, big taste difference. The whole taste difference comes from the region of the mm. oysters. So yeah, so if an oyster is farmed, you know, in the Atlantic Ocean, it's going to be salty. But if it's farmed in the Rappahannock River, it's going to be sweet and mm. mineral. So that's the whole taste, um, you know, difference. Uh, as far as a wild oyster and a farm-raised oyster, if they're ra- if they're in the same body of water, they're going to taste pretty daggone mm-hmm. similar. The only difference is the way that farm-raised oyster is formed. So the farmer might raise it to have a, a deep shell, which is going to be a, a plumper type of meat. So that might give it, you know, a, a difference when it hits the tongue uh, compared to the wild oyster that's just doing its own thing. Right. But that's going to be the biggest difference as far as like, you know, flavor and profile. Yeah. How do you make an oyster deeper? Um. So basically when farm... When oyster farmers are doing their thing, you know, out on the water, they have this thing called a tumbler. Mm-hmm. And this tumbler is just this big metal cage, circular or spherical, cylindrical, um, that just goes round and round and round. So you you throw your oysters in there, and basically what it does is it when it tumbles around, it's knocking off pieces of the bill, the front of the oyster, the mouth of the mm-hmm. oyster. So now that oyster isn't growing out because the mouth is, um, you know, getting chipped mm-hmm. off, but the oyster cell needs to grow. So now the oyster grows down instead of out outwards. Does that make sense? Am I painting yep. a picture? Painting a very, very clear okay. picture. That makes total yeah. sense. And that's also how they're kind of all the same size. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That cookie cutter. Cookie cutter. <laughs> So when you are setting up an event, do you prefer the cookie cutter? They're all the same. Or do you like the different shapes and sizes wild? You know, I I should be ashamed of myself, but it all depends on profit market. (laughs) Looking like a businessman and an entrepreneur. (laughs) Right. No, but no, definitely. I like to make my day easy. So if I know that this wild oyster is going to, because there are some, you know, wild oysters you still can buy. Um, if I know the wild oyster is going to be a good quality oyster, mm-hmm. um, I'll get a wild oyster. Um, it's all about quality to me. The thing that sets my mobile raw bar apart from other, even raw bars, period, like restaurants, um, it's just the quality of oyster that I bring. Um, you know, I work real close with my distributor and also other oyster farmers. So like sometimes I'll get my oysters directly from oyster mm-hmm. farmers. Um, but when I don't, I get them from a seafood distributor. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm working close with them so I can know, hey, what's coming in fresh or what's going to be fresh towards the end of the week that might not be on my list now. Or, you know, where are you are you ordering something new that, you know, nobody has tried before? Right. Like, I'll, I'll just keep it fresh. Like, as long as the oyster is fresh, that's going to give you a whole new outlook and experience on an oyster. And it's my job as the oyster shucker to make your make every experience, let alone your your first oyster experience, the best experience. Mm-hmm. Because all it takes is one bad experience um, to shut it down forever. Like if you have a bad oyster uh, at a raw bar, oh, that oyster made me sick. I'll never eat an oyster again, right. right? And it takes a lot for you to step back up to the plate to say, you know what? I'll try. So I have to combat a lot of those conversations 
and kind of um, sweet talk you back into the oyster life. <laughs> Just give me a chance. You know, I can change the world. <laughs> Do you dress your oysters at all? Put cocktail sauce or lemon? So I always tell folks, um, especially if they've never had that particular type of oyster, mm-hmm. I'm like, try it by itself. Mm-hmm. Because you want to taste what the actual oyster tastes like. So if you do come across a bad oyster, you know, not to swallow, first of all. But no, this doesn't taste like, you know, a fresh oyster. So I tell everybody, if you haven't had that particular type of oyster, just try it by itself first. um, And then you can dress it up if you choose to. Um, It's some like if you really like oysters are like wine. You know, I like to let it sit on the palate a little bit, dance on my tongue a little bit, a little one step, two step, mm-hmm. um, and then, chew, you know, chew it up, not just swallow the oyster, um, take in all the flavors. It's like wine. You'll get something on the front end. You'll get some on the back end. You'll, you'll you know, resting notes and everything. Like, so it all depends on the oyster, um, if I'm putting something on or not. I'm not a big fan of, like sweet like river oysters basically some river oysters i can do because that mineral takes over the Mm. oyster but other like if it's like a lot of fresh water or a big ring that we've Mm. had i can't do really bland oysters those i'm gonna use to cook like grillers or something but so that's the other thing about being close with um you're a distributor and just paying attention to nature because you can you can kind of talk out flavors with people and they can kind of like, oh, yeah, I taste that. So, you know, just got to be aware of all that. Yeah. So it's more than just picking up. It's more than just picking up a bushel of oysters from your distributor or the farm. It's like having that conversation with them. Like, what are the water conditions? What it, what's been going on with the oysters? What can we expect it to taste like? And then being able to talk about it. For me, it is. I, I can I can only speak for myself. So for me, it is. I want to know. And, and, you know, that's the beauty of social media. You know, you know, you can once you start shucking oysters and tagging oyster farmers in your pictures, you know, they care that you care. Right. You know, and that's a, that's a biggie. You know, the, the oysters spend, you know, 18 months to two years in the water. And the, these are the these are the babies of the oyster farmers. Right. So the oyster farmers don't want to see their oysters go to a raw bar and then, you know, 3.5 seconds go from this beautiful oyster to this mangled up oyster, you know, right? just like that, just because the oyster shucker didn't care yeah. or, you know, they don't care about the backstory or the process that led up to this oyster coming to them, you know? Right. So it's all about the experience. I, I'm, I feel like I'm talking myself way up right now and I'm <laughs> absolutely not lying. No, you're doing a great job. So I saw on your Instagram, <laughs> speaking of speaking of Instagram, that you had a $10 oyster. Like usually oysters are like about a dollar, right? When you go to a restaurant. Right. What makes a $10 oyster? Or three. Or three. So it was absolutely positively clickbait. No. That's what we call clickbait. Um, you clicked on it. So the bait worked. Um, but here, here, here's it. So here's what it was. Um, this oyster, I don't really pay. I try to keep, because like, if you pay, let's say if I pay a dollar to a dollar 50 for the oyster, I've got to charge like, um, I got, I'm trying to think of a TI word, uh, TI the rapper for everybody. Um, one of those big words, but like, like, so that's why I choose like good priced oysters with a good quality oyster. Mm-hmm. Um, just sort of profit margin. So I can just imagine what raw bars were charging for that oyster. So that's why I said a $10 oyster okay. and I plan on doing the video, but like, you know what I mean? Like it was an expensive oyster that I got because, um, honestly, my wife wanted, she, she likes what she likes and, you know, <laughs> I'm in a predicament where, you know, I can buy them. So I'm like, all right, cool. But <laughs> it would have been an expensive oyster for like the average Joe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like that you're catering to your wife. You get, you get <laughs> so got to do it. Let you it got be <laughs> Very cool. So I also saw that you worked at Rappahannock Oyster Bar. And my experience with Rappahannock Oysters is actually I've done some events with their farmers back in the day. So hmm. I didn't I didn't think I realized that they had a bar. Did you have you been out to the farm? 
I have not been out to uh, Marawar, the farm, none of that, I know. But it seemed like every time they were taking trips, um, I had some baby stuff to do. I was like, you know, I got to be a parent. I can't go with y'all and have fun and get intoxicated and, you know, yeah, have fun. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> I got I to be a husband and a father, so y'all go do it. I'll see the pictures on Instagram. <laughs> Fair enough. Just different seasons of life. Yeah, no doubt. So what brought me to uh, Rappahannock was, um, so I'm an Army veteran, and I got deployed to Afghanistan, and when I came back home, um, I basically wanted to do something I enjoyed mm-hmm. instead of just doing a job, so boom, oysters. Uh, so I started looking for oyster jobs and Rappahannock was hiring. I came stage. That was one of the hardest shucking mornings I ever shucked. And they hired me. And of course I knew how to shuck. Um, but yeah, they hired me and I stayed to Rappahannock for a few years. And every now and then they'll still hire me to do a event or something. So I love Rappahannock and love their oysters. Very cool. You've shucked for presidents. I read. That's pretty amazing. Could you tell us a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah, that, for sure. Um, so, uh, being the DC oyster shucker, the oyster ninja, mm-hmm. um, people care that I care, you know. And despite my um introverted tendencies, I kind of make, I try and make connections. I don't just work with somebody, or I don't just, you know. It's not a one-off. So, like, if I if I introduce myself, I'm going to, like, introduce myself. Hey, I'm Gardner. Um, and then I'll just ask you, like, you know, I'll ask you about your life. Like, like if you're on the podcast. Right. You know, I honestly want to know about you. Um, so, anyway, making those connections, like, people just know. And, of course, with Instagram. Yeah, that's a good dude. And he can shuck a daggone good oyster. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, it was Rake's Progress. Um uh, Chef Opie Crooks, Crocs. I'm probably messing up his last name, but he was a chef there. Um, and of course, he came from uh, Woodbury, the Woodbury Kitchen in Baltimore. Okay, you know, I'm not sure, but anyway, that's under Chef uh, Spike. But anyway, they were having these special guests, and they needed a special shucker, and I was at special shucker, and it was for um, First Lady Michelle Obama. It was her birthday, and um, you know President Obama was there, and they had dinner and they had oysters, and I was the oyster shucker, and it was a great experience that goes down. You know, get to see the presidents while shucking oysters, so it was cool. That is very very cool. Did you get to chat with either one of them, or were they being served the oysters elsewhere? So yeah, they were being served oysters elsewhere. Um, the thing, the one part about the event that you know i still kind of not to say regret because you don't want to move too fast around secret service uh (laughs) but it's like everybody was taking pictures you know the chef and his staff was taking pictures and i'm just over in the raw bar with my dirty apron on with my dirty oyster gloves you know i don't fit in this picture (laughs) i don't i don't fit in and i didn't take up everybody else took a picture i was definitely not in the picture I think I think I remember getting a wave. Hey, Oyster Ninja. But but you know, that's I got a wave maybe, but that's about it. I wish I was in the picture. It would have went a lot further. Uh yeah. I think that's a life lesson, getting the picture even if you're dirty, because then yeah. it would have been more memorable. Remember the oyster shucker got in, dirty apron and exactly. all. Exactly. <laughs> but here's the here's the other thing. The other um this is my like my my mantra, I guess. But I'm like, let other people tell you no. Don't cancel yourself out. Mm. If you cancel yourself out, you don't even give yourself a chance. Right. So now I'll come up because I don't know if you saw from the uh, Instagram, but I do like um, T-shirts and stuff. Yes. I'm like, well, um, you know what? This might not sell. You know what? Let let them not buy it first and then I'll take it down. Yeah. You know, yeah. you never know who you're uh, speaking to. That's right. That's all I'm going to say. I like that. Now, did you have you sold t-shirts? I've sold some t-shirts. Um, I've sold some t-shirts. I think it would be. I think it would be a lot easier to sell t-shirts. Um, like if things were a little open up, because mm. you know, then I can market to like the beer festivals and the food festivals and oyster festivals. 
but now it's just my following and whoever they tag along yeah which is cool i'm not complaining a sale is a sale that's right but i think it would be more successful more successful um you know if things were a little bit more open up yeah how did you start your own oyster shucking business so here's the thing uh like I said, I've always worked hard and I don't mind working hard, mm-hmm. but I would prefer to work hard for myself compared to someone else. Yeah. So let me put in the legwork to build something magnificent um, for myself. So that's where it came from. Like, you know, I'm doing all these in, um, uh, oyster events for other people. You know, they're they're loving me. They're loving the experience. The The people who are coming to me are loving the experience. Um, and again, like I said, I, I've done events, uh, when I was on the Eastern shore, uh, with my dad. So basically from the things I learned, um, in DC and of course in the past, I just was like, you know what? I can do this myself. Yeah. You know, the other stuff is just small stuff, you know, as far as on the, the business side, but like, I'm willing to learn, uh, I'm willing to invest in myself and, um, I'm ready to jump off the the cliff and try this thing you know if i fall i fall boom i can get a job i can get another job but let's hope you know i don't fall right and it's been going pretty good i like that it kind of goes with uh let them tell you no right let's see if it works exactly <laughs> exactly yeah so um i don't know i just kind of baby stepped into it and uh just so here, here's a fun thing i was talking about this as if I was already doing it to potential customers. So basically I would meet people. It's like, Hey, Oh, you like wine? Yeah. You know, I have an oyster business. And, but at this time I really didn't have an oyster business. <laughs> um, but I was like, yeah, so what I can do, I can come to your house and I can do an oyster and wine pairing. Um, we can pair oysters and wine. You can get a group of your friends together. And who doesn't like having a group of friends together, drinking wine, eating oysters, maybe some caviar, Doing a daggone thing. Right. So basically, I just sold the experience, and it worked. Um, so yeah, here we are. How long ago just was spoken that? Spoken into existence. Uh, this was around 2015. Okay, so you've been doing this for yeah. a little while. A little bit, yeah. How did you come up with the name of your business? SS Shucking. Yes. So the name of my dad's business was Sam Sam Shucking Service. Okay. Now when I moved to dc and started doing small events i was still using sam sam shucking service okay um but he was like you know gardner um you know you're doing more things with this oyster thing that i've ever seen anybody else do with it um you need to make it your own (laughs) i was like i was like sounds like you're you're firing me is what you're doing (laughs) you're you're kicking me out of sam sam shucking bit is what it sounds like (laughs) But it was it's all good. Um, so I just cut it short. Instead of Sam Sam Shucking Service, I just said SS Shucking. And it makes it sound like a boat. Exactly. <laughs> it was meant to be. It was. <laughs> That's what I thought it was at first. And then you said earlier in the show that it was Sam Sam the Oyster Man. And I was like, oh, yeah. I bet that's what the SS is from. That's fascinating. Yep. It works out on so yep. many levels. <clears throat> so many levels. It's deep. Yes. It's deep. <laughs> So do you recycle all your oyster shells? I don't recycle all the oyster shells. I recycle most of the oyster shells. And, um, you know, it's got to be an easier way to do this. But, like, even right now, I have a bunch of oyster shells um, that are sitting on the side of my house that I need to, you know, drop off to. a. But, you know, like I said, with COVID and things being shut down, it's just being, you know, made things a little bit more difficult. Right. Um. So, but slowly and surely, you know, I'll I'll drop some off to a site and then I'll by the next time I'll have two or three more bushes, you know. So <laughs> So majority of the time I do. Um if I if I'm doing an event somewhere far out, um sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Yeah, fair enough. So for our listeners, uh oyster recycling is what it sounds like. You take the spent oyster shell that no longer has the meat in it and you uh, Actually, it gets piled up and aged for a certain amount of time. And then eventually it will go back out into the water. And it's the best substrate for baby oysters to settle on. That's like their preferred 
place to live is on other oyster shells. So it's pretty important. Um, it's also a great source of calcium carbonate, which is also important in the water column. So oyster recycling has become um, a really great way to kind of bring it all back full circle. And again, at Oyster Recovery Partnership, they had an oyster um, recycling program. And I went out a couple of times and ran the route. And it's it's really cool. Like you get to see all the back doors of the restaurants and like talk to people and stuff. But oh my mm-hmm. goodness, it's probably the smelliest thing I've ever done. There's nothing quite like a <laughs> several day or week old oyster shell. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's special. That's a special smell right there. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely real. <laughs> but you climbed into oyster yeah. shell midden, which is a giant pile of oyster shells. Was it aged? Was it really smelly? Yeah, no, the 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 space was smelly, but the the shells that I climbed were not. They had been sitting for I yeah, I think uh I want to say a year, a year and a half, something like that. Okay. So that was that was fun. Um and again, my regret with that is I didn't climb both hills because that was just one hill. It was another hill above that. Oh my god! But you know, I'm not the best with heights. The, the, the you know, the, even though I was in the military, the height thing still gets me from time to time. <laughs> so I just climbed one and brought my little tail down. There you go. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. So one of my questions to ask on the show is. If you were given a blank check for a project, what would you use it for? Mm, that's too easy. Um, I want to do, uh, like I want to do a TV show. I want to get on the big screen, big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I would be nervous at first, but my personality would come through at the end of the day. And we got so many like brilliant editors, and you know, they can put it together. Just let me do my thing. Let me go out. Let me talk to basically take the Oyster Ninja podcast and make it a TV show. Cool. So I want to go out and talk to uh, oyster farmers, talk to kelp farmers, talk to uh, ocean nonprofits. I want to go and get dirty with the folks that are out here getting dirty for the for the cause, you know, and basically bring light onto what they're doing. So basically putting the Oyster Ninja podcast on a big screen. I like it. That's a great And I'm thinking like maybe Discovery Channel or TLC or whatever those channels are, you know, National Geographic. Yeah. The big leagues. I like it. That's what I would do. Yeah. I like it. What's one what's one of your favorite field story or stories to tell? And I feel like this could get really interesting because it could, you know, you could share a day out on the boat that you love so much, or you could share a day kind of shucking oysters. I'm sure you come across some characters. Mm, So it's crazy because the way my mind works, I want to put everything so everybody can indulge in it. So like, I think everything should be a podcast or everything should be a YouTube video. Um, But I've heard some interesting conversations like, you know, as a shucker, you're just kind of there. Like, you know, I don't know if you watch The Butler, um, Mm-mm. but basically you're just in this room and you don't say anything. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I've heard some interesting conversations that people have while at the bar. Um, I've seen some weird stuff <laughs> at the bar. Um, so that would be one road to go down. Yeah. Um, another popular story I like to tell is like the first time I got stabbed um, in the shucking house on Sugar Tick Island. Like I'm like, uh, I was working in the shucking house, uh, which is basically how you get your gallons of oysters or, you know, how the the stores get uh, pints and quarts of oysters uh, that are in jars. Somebody has um, to physically I, shuck them. Somebody has to do that. Yeah, yep. it's work. Um, and it's not that many shucking houses that are actually open anymore. I think it might be one left on Sugar Tig, if that. Um, and I think it's one in, or a couple in Crisfield, Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that was the first time I stabbed myself. And that's a story by itself. Um, you know, just sharing conversations with my dad on the boat, like you said. That's a So it, it's a bunch. It's a bunch. And it's hard to pick one. Um, but I think the story that I most feel is when I stab myself 
in the Shuckin house. How did you do uh, that? <laughs> so basically, I had been bullied. I'm going to say it. I wasn't proud. I've been bullied by all these oyster shuckers that can shuck way faster than me. And somehow some of their oysters are getting in my oyster pile. Um, so they're bullying up on the kid. Mm. And at that time, I mean, I was like, again, in my early 20s, all these people literally are in their 60s, 70s, 80s. I'm sure there was a 90-year-old there. So that's just painting the picture. <laughs> We're in this small room, like you know, you're you're standing and oysters are in front of you, and it's a shucker right there to your right and to your left. So that's how oysters fall into my pile mysteriously. Mm. And you got people singing like hymnals, like church spirituals, and it's a good time. It's good, it's great for the soul. Uh, but anyway, I was tired of like I'm only shucking maybe I, my my goal was to make sixty dollars it might not sound a lot but it was a lot back then um i i got paid ten dollars a bushel so for every bushel i made i mean shut i got ten dollars mm. so my goal was to make six so what is a bushel a bushel was a whole lot of daggone oysters that i should have been getting paid more than ten dollars right that's what it exactly it is right i mean that's you like a, I mean? it's like a bucket right it's like a, a bushel is like it holds maybe like depending on oyster size it can hold from like 150 to like 300 oysters. Depending so $10 on the size to of the oysters. A couple hundred oysters. Yes. And you, and you start first thing in the morning. I'm talking like 3.30, 30 o'clock in the morning. You're like up and shucking oysters. So, yeah. So, this, this particular day, I'm feeling myself. I feel like I'm keeping up with the more experienced shuckers. And I, I go to shuck this oyster I'm thinking it must have been rotten or something. I don't, I can't remember exactly. But anyway, I slide off of the shell or in the shell and right into my hand. Oh, gosh. And the only thing I can do is pull the knife out and put my hand into a ball and walk out solemnly. You know, like in church when they throw that finger up and, you know, excuse me. Sorry, I got to go. I'm leaving. You know, yeah. and... And I walk outside and I open my hand and it's just red. Like the whole glove, everything is red. I'm talking about like, I thought that I had just killed my hand. Just go and take it off. I don't need it anymore. Just take it. You know, it was, it was bad. It was ugly. I'm like, my hand will never work. I'm laughing because it sounds (laughs) terrifying. That's my reaction. (laughs) I'm thinking my hand is never going to work the same again. And yeah, so I go clean it off. And of course I leave. I think I take a couple days off and I'm back at it again. I don't learn my lesson. So yeah, that was my first time. That was my first bad stab. Yeah, I would imagine cutting yourself is fairly common, particularly when you're learning how to shuck oysters. Well, it's common even after you learn, honestly. I mean, the shells are sharp and I like to punish myself and wear latex gloves. So it's funny, me and my uh, buddy was joking. was like, you know, I don't know why I feel safe wearing a latex glove when you get maybe six oysters in and the the latex is already ripped up. Right. But I just feel so safe. But if I take off that ripped latex glove and I'm just shucking in my hand, I can't do it. You know, so. <laughs> just that tiny thin barrier. <laughs> right. <laughs> why don't you exactly. use like a thick leather glove? Who does things safe? Okay. Live on the wild side over here. Come on, it's the oyster ninja. Come on. <laughs> Fair enough. It'd be a detriment to your ninja status. Yeah, and it looks good. It looks fun on. Uh, it looks cool on social media. There you go. No, we do it for the likes. <laughs> I do it for the likes. Fun. So at the end of each episode, I like to leave the audience with a conservation ask to go forth and take into the world. Do you have an ask for my audience to take from your episode? I'm going to ask your audience to eat more oysters. <laughs> I'm going to ask your audience to um, eat more oysters so we can recycle more oyster shells. Uh, I'm going to ask your audience to, if they eat oysters, especially if they eat at a raw bar, ask your raw bar, are you recycling these oyster shells? Because dot, 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 and the oyster ninja said so. That's right. I like that. 
I like, I want to add to that. Also, maybe ask them where they got their oysters from. Because I think knowing where your food mm. comes from is super important. Oh, for sure. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, you want to chat about that for a little bit? <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. And real quick. If you ask where your oysters are from, also ask when were they harvested. Mm. Again, I said earlier, the thing that separates me is the freshness on the oysters. When you get oysters from the Oyster Ninja, they've only been out of the water two to three days max, Mm. sometimes four to five. But if you go to a raw bar, it can be, let's just say, more than what I said. (laughs) So ask when the oysters were harvested again it's nothing wrong with them oysters can live out the water for up to three weeks Mm -hmm. as long as they're kept at a good temperature but for each day they're out of the water it changes the profile the taste of that oyster right so listen ask when they were harvested ask where they were harvested and of course um recycle oyster shells i like it if listeners want to find you, connect with you, learn more about you and your work with oysters, where's the best place to do so? So you can follow my mobile raw bar on Instagram at s.s.shucking. Not Sam Sam Shucking, just <laughs> SS Shucking. Um, you can you can listen to the podcast on Apple and uh, Spotify and all of those good platforms. Just search the Oyster Ninja Podcast. I'll pop up. And uh, pull up on me. Pull up on me. If you're in the DMV area, hit me up. I like it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I had a lot of fun chatting oysters with you. Boom, bam, insert outro music. Thank you. I appreciate you for bringing me on your platform. We got to get you on the Oyster Ninja podcast ASAP. Um, (laughs) No, but you're doing great things. And I love to connect with people who are doing things for the cause. Thank you. Hey, one more thing. Do you want to dive more into the ocean and marine biology? Need a little guidance on ocean conservation? Head on over to marinebio.life backslash resources. We've got book recommendations, job posting pages, conference suggestions, and ocean-friendly products. All recommendations have been personally vetted by me, and I will continue to add to the collection as I come across cool things to share. Head on over to marinebio.life backslash resources to learn more. See you over there. Hey, do you want to help the oceans? Have you considered a career in marine biology, but maybe just aren't sure where to start? Head on over to my website, marinebio.life, and subscribe to my newsletter. When you subscribe, you'll receive a free PDF download where you'll learn the seven steps to becoming a marine biologist without the degree. Thank you for listening to today's show. I'd love to hear any insight you've gleaned. Leave a comment in the show notes or send me an email over at marinebio.life. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a review and of course, share with your friends. If you want more resources for ocean news, including conservation topics and careers, plus personal insight for me that I just don't share anywhere else, join me at marinebio.life and sign up for email updates. Keep after your dreams and making waves in your community one person can make a difference. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next time on the So You Want to Be a Marine Biologist podcast.